Welcome to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Your host is Andy Ford, one of today's leading innovators. Our show is about how ideas and technology come together to form the most buzzed about products of the 21st century. Specifically, what goes into the thought process of these innovations and the channels they go through to get to the marketplace. Now, here is Andy Ford. Hello, welcome to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. I'm your host, Andy Ford, coming uh, at you live today from Brado's HQ in beautiful downtown St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, at the beginning of the show, we'd like to remind people uh, that they can reach us uh, on Twitter. You can hit me up at A Ford on Twitter uh, or send us an email for questions throughout the show. Uh, my name is Andy.Ford. And my email is Andy.Ford at Brado.net. You can feel free to reach us in any one of those mediums uh, to ask questions uh, of our guest as we're talking about innovation. Uh, my guest today is, I'm really excited, it's a, a, another gentleman from St. Louis, and Matt Homan, uh, his passion is really helping people think together uh, to help solve problems better in person. He's a lifelong entrepreneur and a recovering lawyer. Love that. He's working to reinvent the meeting as the founder and CEO of Filament. You can see all about Matt's business at www.thefilament.com. He's also founder of Invisible Girlfriend and Boyfriend, which we're going to jump into, uh, which I think in Matt's stories about those are pretty, pretty great. But you, even though if you don't have a chance to find out, you'll look up Invisible Girlfriend or Boyfriend right now, you will not be disappointed, I swear. All right, so Matt suffers from a self-diagnosed case of idea surplus disorder, which I think I also suffer from. Uh, his ventures share one thing in common. It's a focus on finding creative ways to solve difficult problems with smart people. Uh, Matt and I have had a chance uh, to talk and get to know each other a little bit more since he lives uh, uh, works here in St. Louis and lives in Illinois uh, with his wife, Jessica, and his daughter, Grace. Uh, I cannot recommend getting down there and checking out Filament. It's a really, really cool space. Matt's a really, really creative thinker. And by the way, you can find him on Twitter at Matt Homan. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. It's pretty interesting when you hear about the Filament and what you've done there and how you've created, to your point, and, and this is my interpretation of that, it's a space that really commands involvement of everyone who comes and gets you know invested in whatever session you're working on there. Tell us a little bit more about the filament. Well, the filament is a weird kind of hybrid of meeting space. So we have a 10,000 square foot space in downtown St. Louis uh, that's built for meetings of anywhere from a five person strategy session to a hundred plus person conference and everything in between. Uh, but it's also a meeting. We don't let people rent our space. They have to buy the entire meeting from us. And so when you come to the filament, or whether we go and visit clients elsewhere, although we like to do stuff here in St. Louis whenever we can, uh, is we are not only handling the food, the beverage, the parking, all the miscellaneous stuff that people think is important in a meeting. We actually design and facilitate the meeting as well. And so when they come to us, they're not just getting uh, a conference room with a good projector and a nice lunch and good coffee. Uh, they're getting a custom design meeting that's based around collaboration, creativity, small group problem solving uh, in a really cool space. It also incorporates lots of tools and activities and exercises 
Uh, and we have an artist who's drawing the entire time as well. So we've tried to take the best part of the meeting and make that the only part of the meeting. It's interesting to me, right? When I, when, when actually, when somebody told me about your business, and I do think the first thing I thought about was, okay, they've got a creative space that was, then you can show up and it facilitates the space is a design feature, da da da. But the space is really sort of a nice to have. It's the thinking that goes into it where the space becomes useful. It's that switch that is really interesting. Do you find that clients have to be adjusted to that or do they immediately get it? The, it it's funny that we, we thought the space was a nice to have because uh, we got tired of trying to do creative meetings in terrible spaces, right? You come to uh, a client tells you that a room will be set up a certain way and you can't put stuff on the walls or the tables aren't round or you're in classroom style, which right. is the biggest oxymoron ever. I, so, I, I just want to say right, right there, if you don't say anything else, classroom style is that something we can kill can we just get rid of that altogether? It, it may be the worst thing it may be the worst thing ever so so you don't learn anything there you, you don't learn anything and and so when we decided to kind of think about an office for our team uh, in st louis we have a really unique situation that the real estate here is not new york prices san francisco prices chicago prices and so it was very easy to all of a sudden start thinking a little bit bigger and so when we found the space and we ultimately expanded a couple times before we opened to the public We've learned that the space does some really cool things. Uh, one is it because you come in through a gigantic garage door, uh, it's welcoming. You don't see the conference room seating anywhere. When you come in, it's leather couches, uh, it's antique furniture, it's all kinds of, it's post-it notes and colors and crayons and markers and Kool-Aid and uh, just nearly anything that you might think feels or evokes creativity. And then on top of that, uh, once people are there and they see it, they're feeling more creative, but they also are understanding that we've been intentional about the space. And so the other thing the space has done for us that we weren't able to do before is in the past, people would say, we want a creative meeting. Uh, we want to be innovative. Who else just like us in our industry have you done this exact same thing for before? And over and over again, we got this kind of, let's be innovative, but safe. And when people come to us, not only because we control the meeting in so many ways, uh, but because they walk in, they see we're intentional, our client list is actually pretty cool in that there's no common thread. We had someone look at these big posters of our clients the other day. They said, what does everyone have in common? I said, they've been here. <laughs> whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a, a retail giant, whether it's uh, government entities, uh, big corporations, local sports teams, any of those sorts of people, once they're there, they get past the, I'm hiring a consultant with industry expertise. And they then come to us and say, we need to have a meeting and truthfully, we need to solve a problem. And we're problem-solving experts. And because so much of our stuff is built around small group interaction and we work deeply with our clients to understand and kind of build out what might pass for content in a traditional meeting, uh, we get past having to have the expertise and the space is what drives that. It's fascinating to me is that uh, years ago, I got asked to go speak uh, for a, uh, literally these people are facilitators for, for meetings. I mean, you know, they're planners. Uh, but they're from the hotel industry, they're from food service industries, they are, you know, in some cases, almost HR related, right? And the whole premise was, how do we make the meeting better? And it sounds like, and by the way, <laughs> I was there for two days, I don't think they got an answer. I don't believe they had an answer, but it sounds like what you guys have done, what you're doing with Filament, is that you're flipping the meeting on its ear. Is it, this is not about the setting. This is about what we're trying to accomplish. It, it, it's absolutely true. And, and to, to give uh, 
I guess, a little bit of credit to meeting planners. One of the things, they're trying to make it better, but in the traditional meeting, you have a bifurcation of responsibilities. You have the person who plans the logistics of the day, oftentimes months in advance, and so they're building the best box for the meeting to go when they can. Uh, they're making the food the best they can. They're making the, uh, the binders that everyone gets the best they can. They're, like, they're trying to do what they can, but the challenge is the person who owns the outcome whether it's the committee that's in charge of the meeting or the senior VP with the PL that they're trying to manage to or the head of sales. They parachute into the box that's already been built and guess what they find? A screen, a tablecloth covered a long table at the front of the room, a podium. There's always one microphone less than the number of panel presenters. And so they all of a sudden find without a significant amount of time and insight into what meetings can be, they just pour the exact same meeting in the exact same room. And so the meeting planners are really kind of dealt a bad hand in that they're not trusted uh, to deliver expertise around content delivery. They're a logistics person. And it's one of the things I think that as meeting planners, if they really want an opportunity moving forward, is to try and elevate that expertise to get to the point of paying attention to what we get to pay attention to, right? Our space is built. We are not charging people for every $6 soda or $100 flip chart or $800 projector. Like, we're welcoming them into our office and the service we're providing them is the better meeting. And it's always funny when you see the traditional model and you know, it's easy to see why it's broken, but there's too many people who own too many different parts to, co to coalesce and say, let's make it better. It's, fa it's fascinating because <clears throat> what I hear you saying, and this is something that I had really never thought of, is that meeting planner ought to start stepping up and saying, wait, 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 we have a strategic opportunity here. This is something that we can bring that you've not thought about. That, by the way, this is how designers think, right? right? Is that when you walk in and we start working, you know, working across the flow of whatever we're trying to optimize, you know, a brick wall won't cut it. We've got to have something that becomes malleable and usable. And, and that's what you tapped into was, but I can't imagine, and I hate to like take a hard left here, but I kind of want to go, what the hell brought you to this idea? You know, it, it was, a, a, we don't have uh, 47 minutes worth of just this story, so I'll be as brief, brief as I can. I got 47 uh, minutes. I, think we so I, I, I used to be a lawyer, and I was writing about innovation, creativity, client service. I was one of the first legal bloggers, uh, and so able to kind of build expertise in this world in a very short period of time versus decades of being an expert on the cocktail party circuit and so on and so forth. And I started to get asked to speak. And uh, the long and short of it is about three years, four years into this journey back then, we were sitting around the bar at an American Bar Association tech show with about seven or eight other speakers. It was three in the morning. The bar had been closed for an hour and a half. And we were having this conversation about stuff that would never make it on the agenda for five or six more years. It would be like five years ago talking about blockchain, robotic process automation, all the AI, all the buzzwords that we hear every day now. And I just ask, what if we came back and stayed an extra day next year? We'll find a space. This is the best part of the conference. What if we made an entire day thinking maybe 10 people would show up? We asked a bunch of people. All of them said yes. Uh, as a fairly early legal blogger, probably one of the first 20 or 30 bloggers at the time in legal in law, uh, put it on the blog and a lot of people came and said, ooh, can I come too? We made it invitation only so we didn't fail too publicly. Uh, and all of a sudden we had people we would have never had the courage to, to ask. And in that room, the, you know, the year later in that room, we were at a cool space in Chicago, 
And I'm just seeing all these amazing conversations, in that case about the future of law practice, with no real agenda, no significant facilitation, using a bit of open space and kind of, we were probably the first legal unconference. And I thought this was really cool. And then people who were there started to ask if I would do this for their companies. I'm like, I guess I can, I don't know how much to charge, but sure. And, and that was really the beginning for me, not only of thinking differently about meetings, but also starting to pay more attention to why they were broken in the first place. And, and along with that came the fact that I was a mediator, trial lawyer, uh, engaged with clients and paying attention to them, right? Body, you know, body language, so on and so forth. It's so, just the way you read a courtroom. Yeah, the, the, the multiple plates spinning at once, kind of all the things that are probably key facilitator skills, yeah. but I never, I never thought you would call me a facilitator. Never in a million years. It's funny, it's funny when you think about that. I mean, you just said, I think you said legal unconference. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, to me, that is uh, more defining than open source conference or anything. This is the anti thing you think you're showing up right. to. I mean, in a lot of ways, understanding what Philema does, you're not an anti-meeting, but it's, it's more workshop than meeting. Oh, I admit, meetings, I, 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 we are pro-meeting in the biggest way for a couple of reasons. One is that we know that we're selling something people have never bought disguised as something they buy all the time. <laughs> okay, so hold on a second. Before we go into that, I'm going to go to break. But what I want to do when we come back is I want to talk about your path to really selling something as a brand new sort of feature to corporate clients. I mean, you had to get there somehow. And so I'm curious, you know, sort of the starts and stops that got you along the way. You're listening to Innovation Insiders. My guest today is Matt Homan with The Filament. Uh, Once again, feel free to hit us up on social media or email if you have questions for Matt. Uh, We'll be right back after these messages. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Grotto, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O.net. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit Brado.net. Again, that's B-R-A-D-O dot net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Uh, I'm talking with Matt Homan. Uh, you can hit Matt up at www.thefilament.com uh, or on Twitter at Matt Homan, H-O-M-A-N-N. Uh, by the way, we'll put all this in, in the podcast as well. Uh, Matt, when we were going to break, we were talking about um, the game change, sort of that unconference thing that you had uh, when you were in the legal business. And then it led to this business venture that you're in. And we were just talking about, you know, uh, selling it really right. into corporate America. And you're talking about, you know, somebody comes in and they're asking you for apples and you're introducing them to zebras, I think, in some cases. What are some of those starts and stops you had along the way? You know, I'll tell you that the, the two, what I said before, and it's something that has been pretty, kind of the big epiphany for me in just really the selling innovation period is that we are, we're selling something they've never bought, but it looks like something they buy all the time. And so we don't sell innovation, strategy, consulting, brainstorming, that sort of stuff. We sell a meeting. And guess what? Everybody in corporate America has meetings all the time. And what is also universally true is they're all terrible. We, we, we don't have to sell against the amazing meetings they're having in-house or the incredible strategy sessions that their internal teams are running. They come to us prepared or at least hoping to have a better meeting. But what happens is that once they've used us once, they start to come to us with problems because they start to realize that what we're doing is this weird hybrid version of consulting and problem solving and strategy and brainstorming. And so when they come back, it's oftentimes not we have a meeting, it's we've got a team that needs to get from point A to point B. And that for us has been, I think the big aha is that we're selling something that they're used to buying. They've got budget for, they've already blocked off dollars, and we're selling against someone who is really good at taking every penny out of their pocket. I mean, hotels are effectively like casinos. Every part of that experience, from the multiple vendors you have to deal with for a single meeting, to even the way that they handle the sodas, make them too big for the glass, make them warm, take them when they're halfway, is designed to leave a bad taste in your mouth as a meeting planner. Well, it takes money, buys it. It takes money out of your pocket. Right. And so that, that has been the, the, the big aha. The thing that we made, the mistake we made, and it comes to what we talked about in the first segment, is that we thought that meeting planners would be the perfect target. And they're not. Uh, because we take too much away from them. Uh, what is a good target for us is the iconoclast inside an organization who has a reputation for trying new things. 
uh, or the fairly high level meeting plan or the fairly high level admin who this planning this 50 person meeting is a third full-time job for him or her over the next three months and so when we can find those people then we get them into the space and as we talked about before the space sells it as well it's like oh you guys are intentional you think about things and then it just becomes a conversation about uh, desired outcomes and challenges it's interesting, you know, I think about those iconoclasts, those, those uh, rebels, so to speak, you know, whoever is in uh, different companies uh, that sees a vision, hears what you're talking about and thinks to themselves, there's got to be a better way, right? right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that I've run into and we've encountered in doing this series is that it seems like those people don't have a job description and they're not all in the same place. Like, I mean, that iconoclast could be an admin. It could be who's somebody who's a marketer or a designer, or maybe they're in production somehow. How do you find those people, or do those people find you? It's a mix of both. We, we find them by asking people in target companies who the crazy people are, right? Who are the people who would, would get in trouble for trying new things if they weren't so successful? <laughs> and, and that the person who gets the most permission. Those kinds of questions find us that person. Um, but it's also true that the people who have innovation titles, and it's true in St. Louis, it's true nearly everywhere else, is there's a lot of people who the title isn't to drive innovation. The title is almost a press release title, right? They, hey, look, we have an innovation person. And there's a lot of innovation theater that happens, right, in this town, both in the startup world and in the big corporation world. Uh, look at every press release that has the word AI in it, and you can identify about a third of those folks. But you find that the person who is, I'll give you an example. Uh, if I go to the CIO in any organization, and they may or may not have time for us, but if I find out who the person is in charge of for them of looking into the next five years, that's the person we want. Same is true from the CFO standpoint, or even the CEO. It's not the person who is, who is totally focused on the day-to-day. -day. Uh, it's the person who's in charge of trying to think differently about stuff. That next phase. Yep. That next phase. It's, that's, I've never heard somebody talk about it quite like that, and I think it's really, really smart, is that you know, I ask who the crazy people are. I look for like where are the pockets of visionary right. that, can, that are trying to tap into something new and different. And we got an email here that literally, I think is, you know, somebody went to the website, they checked out the space, and they said, this is a really cool thing in St. Louis are you going to replicate that elsewhere? Is that something that looks like it's scalable, movable? How do you feel about that? I, I think that that's the question we get asked all the time. Uh, the challenge we have in the startup world, and it's not uncommon, is that people look at our fairly small team and say, we're hiring you, Matt. We're not hiring filament in some situations. But we also know that there are people in multiple industries who can do this. They're just not, just like... I might not have the innovator title, they're not the facilitator title. They're a creative director, they're a teacher, they're a former lawyer, they're any of these number of things. And so we know that we're building up that bench of talent to bring in. Uh, but the second thing from an expansion standpoint is that while real estate prices aren't as low necessarily everywhere else as they are here, meetings are just as bad in every city. And one of the things that we believe, it's kind of like the, if it plays in Peoria statement that we may have heard 50, 60 years ago, is that if we can do it here, and I think we're being fairly successful at it for two years in, uh, there are lots of other cities where the appetite for trying new things isn't as uh, circumspect. Right. 
uh, when I started practicing law, a solo, a solo lawyer that I worked for said, one lawyer in a small town will starve, but two will get rich. <laughs> and so we think that there is in some cities, there is some validation that there's already creative stuff happening in this space. Uh, but again, our approach feels pretty unique. And from a business model standpoint, we're not seeing it anywhere else. No, it's, uh, it's funny because uh, having moved here uh, to work for Brado almost seven years ago, uh, I have had those moments of this is happening in New York, right? This is happening in LA or San Francisco or Austin or Boulder or name a cool city. And you kind of go, yeah, right. That's the that's where that pocket is. And then when people told me, hey, go check out Philemon, you gotta meet Matt. I, I think Matt, not to insult you, but I think people thought, you don't seem normal, you should go meet Matt because he also does not seem normal. That's right. And I take that as a compliment for me. But when I went to your space and I remember walking in and I'm, and I'm thinking, Okay, this is something that I didn't expect here. But I think to your point is that it's not the space that makes it unique, it's the approach and, and the people who can help take that unmeeting approach exist. Right. It's just identifying them, finding a way to plug them in, and then sort of ramping that's you know, I don't know, that the space up. It, it's absolutely right. And and the thing that it, it sounds like it is uh kind of counterintuitive, but it's a dramatically harder meeting to run when you've got 10 senior execs who all in every other room are always the smartest person in the room uh, because then it's not process driven, it's outcome driven. You need to get them from point A to point B and you'll take every tool in your arsenal to get them there. When you have 100 people in a room or 1,000, like we facilitated 1,000 person meetings, uh, process takes over. And so if, if, if it makes sense, you can have a less talented person running a bigger meeting because then it's personality and practice and process versus someone who has to be able to tell a 70-year-old billionaire founder, shut up, yeah, stop. You're yeah. ruining this meeting for the rest of everybody else. It, it, that's a, you know, it's a really interesting perspective. And I'm gonna ask you something that I wasn't planning on asking, so it's gonna feel like it's coming out of left field, okay? <laughs> but you can train facilitation or moderation, right? Yes. And you can train those things. Are you, is somebody born with the ability to read a room and help navigate the sticky political or strategic sort of hiccups, or is that something that can be taught as well? I, I think it is just, you've gotta make a bunch of mistakes trying it. So I, it's, it's definitely something that's taught, uh, it's something that can be coached. It's also something that there's all these life experiences that get them to that point that don't include a facilitation component. And so that's one thing that we've, we've struggled with early on because we thought the business model, we thought we had the right kind of people, we thought we had the right roles before we'd open the space. And you know, what's the battle? No battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. Uh, we started to realize that there were some things that we didn't think about or foresee. And one of those is there is an experience and storytelling component mm. that people want to hear stories and it's a benefit for us is clients love that we're bringing into them insights from other clients and industries, but uh, you've got to earn those merit badges from right. time to time. So yeah. it's an experiential thing. It's not a, it's not something that I think you're born with innately. You got that. Uh, I mean, that idea, you know, we, we got stuck this week on, and that stuck. We had a personality test that the whole team dug into, you know, and then came back with, you know, some of those questions that we had internally, is this a nature or a nurture? sort of development of right. a personal of a skill. But to your point is that the 
the getting knocked down, the failing, gives you the confidence or the reassurance that you can say, 70-year-old CEO, stop. Listen to someone else in the room, because trust me, if we keep doing things the way we've always done them, we're probably not gonna get a better result. I think that's right. And so it's, it's sort of interesting too to think about it is that you're getting hired, the company is being hired, uh, and then they're coming in, they're having this experience. Uh, but a lot depends on that meeting going well, but then sometimes I bet they don't go well. The, we've been really lucky that the bar for meetings is set so low okay. that just being in our space and having a terrible meeting is better than them having a terrible meeting that's not in our space. Right. But it's kind of like what legal innovation, the oxymoron that that is as well. Uh, we've been really fortunate that we've not had, knock on wood somewhere, yeah, right. many terrible meetings because at its core, people are together in small groups talking about something that's important to them with their peers. Hmm. And so even at a point of failure, they're getting something that they don't get often enough in their real day-to-day, whether they're a distributed team or they work together all the time. That's interesting is that, you know, by, by bringing everybody together and hashing it out, having that opportunity, is that it sounds like when, they, when the session starts, I mean, I know you're setting everything, like we would, set it up to succeed. But even if it goes bad, it's, it's still, it's better than the Hampton, right? I mean, it's gotta be, you know, the, not a Holiday Inn type situation, right? right. So when we come back, uh, Matt, we're about, I wanna take a quick break. I wanna, I wanna talk a little bit about uh, Invisible Girlfriend, Invisible Boyfriend, because there's some pretty fascinating learning I think that everybody can get from there. You're listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Stick around, we'll be right back after these messages. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Grotto, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifested itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O.net. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit Brado.net. Again, that's B R A D O.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Uh, I'm talking with Matt Homan. Uh, you can hit Matt up at www.thefilament.com uh, or on Twitter at Matt Homan, H-O-M-A-N-N. Uh, by the way, we'll put all this in, in the podcast as well. Uh, Matt, when we were going to break, we were talking about um, the game change, sort of that unconference thing that you had. Uh, when you were in the legal business. And then it led to this business venture that you're in. And we were just talking about, you know, uh, selling it really right. into corporate America. And you're talking about, you know, somebody comes in and they're asking you for apples and you're introducing them to zebras, I think, in some cases. What are some of those starts and stops you had along the way? You know, I'll tell you that the, the two, what I said before, and I, it's something that has been pretty, kind of the big epiphany for me in just really the selling innovation period is that we are, we're selling something they've never bought, but it looks like something they buy all the time. And so we don't sell innovation, strategy, consulting, brainstorming, that sort of stuff. We sell a meeting. And guess what? Everybody in corporate America has meetings all the time. And what is also universally true is they're all terrible. We, we, we don't have to sell against the amazing meetings they're having in-house uh-huh. or the incredible strategy sessions that their internal teams are running. They come to us prepared or at least hoping to have a better meeting. But what happens is that once they've used us once, they start to come to us with problems because they start to realize that what we're doing is this weird hybrid version of consulting and problem solving and strategy and brainstorming. And so when they come back, it's oftentimes not we have a meeting, it's we've got a team that needs to get from point A to point B. And that for us has been, I think the big aha is that we're selling something that they're used to buying. They've got budget for, they've already blocked off dollars and we're selling against someone who is really good at taking every penny out of their pocket. I mean, hotels are effectively like casinos. Every part of that experience from the multiple vendors you have to deal with for a single meeting to even the way that they handle the sodas, make them too big for the glass, make them warm, take them when they're halfway, is designed to leave a bad taste in your mouth as a meeting plan. Well, it takes money, money, it. It takes money out, right. out of your pocket. Right. And so that, that has been the, the, the big aha. The thing that we made, the mistake we made, and it comes to what we talked about in the first segment, is that we thought that meeting planners would be the perfect target. And they're not. Uh, because we take too much away from them. Uh, what is a good target for us is the iconoclast inside an organization who has a reputation for trying new things, uh, or the fairly high-level meeting plan, or the fairly high-level admin, who this planning this 50-person meeting is a third full-time job for him or her over the next three months. And so, when we can find those people, then we get them into the space. And as we talked about before, the space sells it as well. It's like, oh, you guys are intentional. You think about things, and then it just becomes a conversation about. Uh, desired outcomes and challenges. It's interesting, you know, I, I think about those iconoclasts, those those uh, rebels, so to speak, you know, those, whoever is in uh, different companies uh, that 
sees a vision, hears what you're talking about, and thinks to themselves, there's got to be a better way, right? Right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that I've run into and we've encountered in doing this series is that it seems like those people don't have a job description, and they're not all in the same place. Like, I mean, that iconoclast could be an admin. It could be who's somebody who's a marketer or a designer, or maybe they're in production somehow. How do you find those people, or do those people find you? It's a mix of both. We, we find them by asking people in target companies who the crazy people are, right? Who are the people who would, would get in trouble for trying new things if they weren't so successful? And, and that the person who gets the most permission. Those kinds of questions find us that person. Um, but it's also true that the people who have innovation titles, and it's true in St. Louis, it's true nearly everywhere else, is there's a lot of people who the title isn't to drive innovation. The title is almost a press release title, right? They, hey, look, we have an innovation person. And there's a lot of innovation theater that happens, right, in this town, both in the startup world and in the big corporation world. Uh, look at every press release, it has the word AI in it, and you can identify about a third of those folks. But you find that the person who is, I'll give you an example, uh, if I go to the CIO in any organization, and they may or may not have time for us, but if I find out who the person is in charge of, for them, of looking into the next five years, that's the person we want. Same is true from the CFO standpoint, or even the CEO, it's that the person who is, who is totally focused on the day-to-day, uh, is the person who's in charge of trying to think differently about stuff. That next phase. Yep. That next phase. It's, that's, I've never heard somebody talk about it quite like that, and I think it's really, really smart, is that you know, I ask who the crazy people are. I look for like where are the pockets of visionary right. that, can, that are trying to tap into something new and different. And we got an email here that literally, I think, is you know, somebody went to the website, they checked out the space, and they said, this is a really cool thing in St. Louis, are you going to replicate that elsewhere? Is that something that looks like it's scalable, movable? How do you feel about that? I, I think that that's the question we get asked all the time. Uh, the challenge we have in the startup world, and it's not uncommon, is that people look at our fairly small team and say, we're hiring you, Matt. We're not hiring filament in some situations. But we also know that there are people in multiple industries who can do this. They're just not, just like... I might not have the innovator title, they're not the facilitator title. They're a creative director, they're a teacher, they're a former lawyer, they're any of these number of things. So we know that we're building up that bench of talent to bring in. Uh, But the second thing from an expansion standpoint is that while real estate prices aren't as low necessarily everywhere else as they are here, meetings are just as bad in every city. And one of the things that we believe, it's kind of like if it plays in Peoria statement that we may have heard 50, 60 years ago, is that if we can do it here, and I think we're being fairly successful at it for two years in, uh, there are lots of other cities where the appetite for trying new things isn't as uh, circumspect. Right. Uh, when I started practicing law, a solo, a solo lawyer that I worked for said, one lawyer in a small town will starve, but two will get rich. <laughs> and so we think that there is, in some cities, there is some validation that there's already creative stuff happening in this space. Uh, but again, our approach feels pretty unique, and from a business model standpoint, we're not seeing it anywhere else. No, it's uh, it's funny because uh, having moved here uh, to work for Brado almost seven years ago, uh, I have had those moments of this is happening in New York, right? This is happening in L.A. or San Francisco or Austin or Boulder or name a cool city, and you kind of go, yeah, right. That's the that's where that pocket is. 
And then when people told me, hey, go check out Filament, you gotta meet Matt. I, I think Matt, not to insult you, but I think people thought, you don't seem normal, you should go be Matt, because he also does not seem normal. That's right. And I take that as a compliment for me. But when I went to your space, and I remember walking in, and I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, this is something that I didn't expect here. But I think to your point is that it's not the space that makes it unique, it's the approach. And, and the people who can help take that unmeeting approach exist. Right. It's just identifying them, finding a way to plug them in, and then sort of ramping that, you know, I don't know, that, the space up? It, it, it's absolutely right. And, and the thing that it, it sounds like it is uh, kind of counterintuitive, but it's a dramatically harder meeting to run when you've got 10 senior execs who all in every other room are always the smartest person in the room. Uh, because then it's not process driven, it's outcome driven. You need to get them from point A to point B and you'll take every tool in your arsenal to get them there. When you have 100 people in a room or 1,000, like we facilitated 1,000 person meetings, uh, process takes over. And so if, if, if it makes sense, you can have a less talented person running a bigger meeting because then it's personality and practice and process versus someone who has to be able to tell a 70 year old billionaire founder, shut up, yeah, stop. You're ruining this meeting for the rest of everybody else. It, it, that's a, you know, it's a really interesting perspective. And I'm going to ask you something that I wasn't planning on asking, so it's going to feel like it's coming out of left field, okay? <laughs> but you can train facilitation or moderation, right? Yes. And you can train those things. Are you, is somebody born with the ability to read a room and help navigate the sticky political or strategic sort of hiccups? Or is that something that can be taught as well? I, I think it is just you've got to make a bunch of mistakes trying it. So I, it's, it's definitely something that's taught. Uh, it's something that can be coached. It's also something that there's all these life experiences that get them to that point that don't include a facilitation component. And so that's one thing that we've, we've struggled with early on because we thought the business model, we thought we had the right kind of people, we thought we had the right roles before we'd open the space. And you know, what's the battle? No battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. Uh, we started to realize that there were some things that we didn't think about or foresee. And one of those is there is an experience and storytelling component mm. that people want to hear stories. And it's a benefit for us as clients love that we're bringing into them insights from other clients and industries. But uh, you've got to earn those merit badges from right. time to time. So yeah. it's an experiential thing. It's not a. It's not something that I think you're born with innately. You got that. Uh, I mean, that idea. You know, we we got stuck this week on. And uh, stuck. We had a personality test that the whole team dug into. You know, and then came back with you know some of those questions that we had internally. Is this a nature or a nurture? sort of development of right. a personal of a skill. But to your point is that the the getting knocked down, the failing gives you the confidence or the reassurance that you can say, 70 year old CEO, stop. Listen to someone else in the room, because trust me, if we keep doing things the way we've always done them, we're probably not gonna get a better result. I think that's right. And so it's, it's sort of interesting too to think about it is that you're getting hired, the company is being hired, uh, and then they're coming in, they're having this experience. Uh, but a lot depends on that meeting going well, but then sometimes I bet they don't go well. The, we've been really lucky that the bar for meetings is set so low <laughs> okay. 
that just being in our space and having a terrible meeting is better than them having a terrible meeting that's not in our space. Right. But that is kind of like what legal innovation, the oxymoron that that is as well. Uh, we've been really fortunate that we've not had, knock on wood somewhere, yeah, right. many terrible meetings because at its core, people are together in small groups talking about something that's important to them with their peers. Hmm. And so even at a point of failure, they're getting something that they don't get often enough in their real day-to-day, whether they're a distributed team or they work together all the time. That's interesting is that you know by, by bringing everybody together and hashing it out, having that opportunity, is that it sounds like when, they, when the session starts, I mean, I know you're setting everything, like we would, set it up to succeed. But even if it goes bad, it's, it's still, it's better than the Hampton, right? I mean, it's gotta be, you know, the, not a Holiday Inn type situation, right? right. So when we come back, uh, Matt, we're about, I wanna take a quick break. I wanna, I wanna talk a little bit about uh, Invisible Girlfriend, Invisible Boyfriend, because there's some pretty fascinating learning, I think, that everybody can get from there. You're listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Stick around, we'll be right back after these messages. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Grotto, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insights, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifested itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O.net. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit Brado.net. Again, that's B-R-A-D-O dot net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to Innovation Insiders. I am your host, Andy Ford. This is Brado Creative Insight. This is our offices. I'm here with Matt Homan from The Filament. Uh, we were just talking about Invisible Girlfriend, Invisible Boyfriend, and I have no doubt that people are already going to. Matter of fact, I just got uh, an email that said, I, I now have a successful boyfriend. And so <laughs> thank you very much for, for giving us that content. So Matt, last segment here, we're going to talk about something that, that we are pretty keen on. It's called the Innovator's Confession. So I'm going to hit you with these questions, and this is just rapid fire. You tell me what you think. So first question that I'm going to ask you is surprise me. Tell me about the innovation that might catch all of us off guard in the next five years. I, I think it is going to be the return to in-person connection. I think we're, we're spending so much time building tools to keep it, to make it less necessary to be in the same room. And this isn't just through the lens of what we do as meetings, but I think that we're going to see a backlash and a return to almost in-person analog uh, technologies, if you want to think of it that way, or even just processes and engagement. We're going to crave that back together face to face. And I think you're gonna see a rise in tools that help us effectuate that uh, because it's a skill set for many of us that is starting to atrophy. It's funny you mentioned that is that I think now uh, about, uh, I mean, cotillion. I mean, I know when there was a point in time when you, know, you had to go and learn uh, manners and how to have social context, uh, customer service is another one. You feel just like, I think you're on point there. Those things feel like they're starting to trend or tick upwards because you hear about companies like Southwest that they're winning and they're winning because why? Because it's a personal connection when you walk on. It's customer service, right? That it's, I love the analog connection though because it we're so digitally driven and this company included, myself included, is that anytime there is a face-to-face -face or a personal connection, it definitely becomes, I don't know, a little more distinct. It becomes a differentiator, yeah. And, and a way to get people to be better at that has, I think, a massive payoff. And it's just the innovation for thousands and thousands of years had nothing to do with technology. Uh, the cave painter, like, ooh, look at this, right? <laughs> innovation. I, I figured out red. Uh, and it's not blood. And it's not blood. Oh, very nice. Okay. Turn <laughs> <laughs> what are, we don't need to know that. I'm watching way too much true crime for you to bring that up. Now. <laughs> All right. What are the top three words to describe an innovative individual? And yes, they can be phrases if you want to be. I'm, I, I, so the, the, the easy ones are creative and persistent. Uh, but I would say that in a, in a positive spin, it's permissive. I think the challenge with many, why what describes innovators isn't just giving themselves permission to try new things, but giving their team and the people who work for them permission to fail, to try things on their own, to experiment. So that permissive piece on how do you give permission better is I think something that's really crucial for most innovators. Yeah, that's, it's funny now when I think about uh, a true innovator and the terms that you've given us today, but that the a right to fail or the ability to have that license to go out, fall down and get back up, that's a common thread through this. I mean, clearly just from the hour we've spent here talking about some of the ventures that have not failed, but by your admission, retooled, readjusted, you feel comfortable doing that. How do you encourage your team to have that same right? I mean, it's, it's hard because in a small team, you want to do cross-functional, cross-training things, but you also know that unless you have 20 people who have five people who have the these same roles, you almost, there's too much work to do to cross-train everybody. And so as a small startup, it's something we're struggling with. Mm -hmm. It's to try to figure out where that 
uh, line is between operations and delivery, back of the house, front of the house, and we haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. So. Uh, but it's something that is, when, when we work with clients, we talk about experimentation a lot. A pilot. Uh, pilot betas, experiments, that language buys permission in a way that uh, initiative doesn't. It's uh, uh, got a, a gentleman who works here, uh, Jeff, uh, and I remember when he was a corporate client, he would always say, we're going to try an experiment. We're going to try an experiment. Like, this is, we're paying for research. We're going out in field, but we're not exactly sure how that's going to go. And I think it's to your point, it's to get the message across an organization of, hey, this is a brand new way to do something, so we're going to take some chances and see where we can knock off rough edges. Um, other than your own, next question. <clears throat> Who or what is the most innovative company in the world today? You know, the, the easy ones are the apples and so on and so forth. I, the one that I'm actually most interested in, uh, and it may not be the most innovative, but it is, uh, I want to see what Lyft does. Right? So, so Lyft is in a kind of the classic second to market uh, they've managed to build a fairly significant business doing exactly what a competitor has done with marginal innovations at the edge. And they all of a sudden got this culture boost when you saw that uh, Uber ran into all of its culture challenges. So I don't know that they're the most innovative, but they've got an opportunity. Yeah. And so with whether it's a mix of the self-driving cars, the, the kind of being ahead of the business model, and with a bit of a good guy persona, that's the one that I'm most interested in to see if they take what's been given them and run with it. Absolutely. Yeah, because first of all, it's already, I mean, revolutionary. Can you imagine what self-driving cars could do to us? Talk about technology having an impact, you know, with through phones. That is a pretty cataclysmic shift. Right. I think it's interesting, too, when you think about innovation, it's not just product, it's not just message, but it's culture, isn't it? I mean, that's something that I mean, you're clearly trying to establish in your company as you talk about the growth and development. How many companies actually capitalize on the culture to be to, to really focus and help innovation? We, we've gotten rid of culture as a language, as a word in our business for lots of reasons. When I mean, people come in and you say, do you have a good culture? This is true of nonprofits, uh, of any companies. Oh, yeah, we all like each other, and we believe in the mission of the business. We've got a good culture. And I ask them, I say, have you guys ever had a meeting? Ten people in a room, and the person at the front of the room says, uh, we all agree, we're all good, great. And then walks out, and the meeting after the meeting starts happening. I'm like, that's culture, too. And so we spend a lot of time with our customers talking about an operating system, right? Just like an operating system on the computer, there's some legacy things it has to do and interact with, uh, but it's a set of instructions. And then it dovetails into what are the bugs of our operating system, what are the features and bugs are really great because they, they're blame, they're, they're problems without blame. And taking that language and now building that into, well, how do we experiment? What's our pilot? How do we roadmap out to fix our meetings are bad? How do we fix that bug? Uh, we don't uh, know, we, we work in silos. Everybody, we draw silos on our whiteboard every meeting at least twice. How do we experiment to break those down? And so from culture, everybody's broken in completely similar ways, uh, but we tend to underestimate the dysfunction in our competitor, in our cell, or we, we overestimate the dysfunction in our own organizations and underestimate it everywhere else. Yeah. And so for us being able to sh shine a light and say, nope, you're all screwed up, let's fix it. Let's fix it. That helps out. I, I love the idea of 
i.e., let's stop talking about like you know problems, obstacles, barriers. Just call them bugs because a bug can get fixed, right? And be prioritized for when it needs to be fixed. It's in, so I we've got I got a ton of more questions that I could actually ask you. Now this is an interview that could go on, which is another actually common thread for most of our interviews is that we you get somebody in here who's passionate about what they do, and in our case, you know, from an innovator's point of view, it's easy to right. have this conversation. It feels like I mean for me it feels like I'm not working at all. Um, but I tell you, there's some questions I'm going to ask you offline, and then I'm going to float them through. Uh, we're going to actually play this uh, as well. Um, so it has been just an absolute pleasure to have Matt Homan with us today. Uh, you can reach Matt at thefilament.com. I yep. assume emails, you know, through that as well. But you can also find Matt on Twitter at Matt Homan, H-O-M-A-N-N. Uh, he's available there, and he uh, will tweet you back and forth, or Invisible Girlfriend, Invisible Boyfriend. Uh, Matt, it's been a pleasure to have you in Brado Studio today. Thank you for joining us. It's been a wonderful conversation for us. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Thank you, I have. Thank you very much. So thank you for listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Join us next week, uh, or hit us up on the socials, and we'll be glad to get back in touch. Until then, thanks. Thank you for listening this week to Innovation Insiders with Grotto Creative Insight. Please join host Andy Ford again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, innovate.